This is Gilbert, and I'm the co-founder and CEO of Eat.fm. You're listening to the App Guy Podcast. The App Guy Podcast. Straight from your host, Paul, the App Guy. Sharing his app entrepreneur journey with you for your enjoyment. The App Guy Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the App Guy podcast. I'm your host, it's Paul Kemp. And really, I started this podcast because I wanted to help you, uh, you as uh, someone who's an entrepreneur, an indie app developer. Uh, If you are looking for inspiration, then this is the podcast for you. Now, we inspire you by getting uh, interviews with guests from around the world. And we have some fascinating and interesting stories from founders, from uh, entrepreneurs, from authors, all, all sorts of people who are doing some really exciting things. And, and today, I really do have a very special journey to share and someone who's doing some really interesting stuff. Um, his name is Alex Frohmeyer, and he is the co-founder of Beam Toothbrush. Now, these guys are connecting our toothbrushes to our smartphones, and I've never come across this before. I, I'm really excited about getting into your journey. Alex, it's a warm welcome to the App Guide podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. It's, uh, it's great to find out about what you guys are doing, and uh, I'm happy to be here. Well, first, well, I mean, we'd love to start off by just learning a little bit about your background, you personally, what uh, inspired you to get into uh, be it founding or co-founding your uh, company and and gave you the idea. Perhaps you can give us a little bit of a, a background about yourself and your company. So my team uh, and I came together when I was uh, in the University of Louisville's engineering school. Uh, so I'd grown up with a really strong interest in, uh, in building things and really understanding how things worked. Um, and so I went to engineering school trying to get a more formal education around some of those ideas and theories. Um, so I met a couple of, of great guys who were brilliant engineers um, in school with me who went from uh, homework buddies uh, to uh, co-founding a startup with me a couple years later. So we first started out, um, one thing that we all got really excited about when we were having discussions with one another uh, was healthcare, and, and more specifically healthcare technology. And the reason was um, that we were very interested in building things, but we figured if we were going to put all this effort into building something and innovating, we might as well do something that would help people. And healthcare seemed like a very obvious place where that type of innovation um, was relevant and, um, and rampant. So we started looking at opportunities to uh, better understand the healthcare technology field and therefore what we could build inside of, of that space. And as we looked around, we saw this uh, very interesting thing starting to happen in medicine and in health tech. And so keep in mind, this is around uh, 2009, 2010, when we were first doing this. And as we looked around, we saw that there was this, um, this new thing starting to happen. And at the time, it didn't have a name. Uh, now we call this space digital health. But the idea was that there were... Um, some people out there talking about, and then there were a few companies starting to build products that instead of focusing on waiting until people got sick and then using devices and technologies and therapies to heal them, 
they were taking the opposite approach, which was, can we use products to help people never become sick in the first place? And our team was really interested in this idea because it was a radical, different way to think about how medicine should be thought of as opposed to how it operated at the time, and it still operates this way largely today. And so digital health promises to use data um, to help influence and understand how um, someone's health works and therefore how it can be manipulated uh, and maximized. And so we started looking around at all these interesting things starting to happen in the digital health field and realized that um, there was one field that looked like it, it had been untouched. No one was thinking about it in the context of this digital health space, and that was dentistry. And we did have a reason to kind of look at dentistry other than the fact that we um, were doing kind of this overall view of medicine at the time uh, because my sister uh, and one of my co-founders' moms are both involved in the dental field. Um, his mom, my co-founder's mom, is a dental hygienist. Uh, my sister is a dentist herself. And so we saw that, you know, there was um, kind of an excuse to look at the dental field. And as we peered inside to see what was happening in dentistry, we saw that there wasn't much innovation in general happening in the field. And what was happening uh, wasn't that compelling. So we started to look at, okay, now we know that there's this field that needs um, data. And that data needs to help people, uh, the common person, better connect with the infrastructure that keeps their oral health um, as uh, high quality as possible, for as long as possible. And so we realized that the most ubiquitous product in the consumer dental space is, of course, the toothbrush. It's a totally ubiquitous product. It has, you know, 90 plus percent penetration in the household. So Alex... Yeah. I was wondering, are you saying that when you set the company up, uh, you you used your mum and your sister as guinea pigs? Oh, oh yeah. We still do. We still do. <laughs> we, uh, That's great. We, uh, I, I'm constantly bouncing ideas off of them. And, um, and so as we were kind of looking at these ideas, I was, you know, routinely using my sister to kind of uh, help form the theories that we now use uh, at Beam Every Day all the time. So Alex, I, I want to appeal to the Appster tribe. I can't wait to go all through the journey about how you, you know, came up with the idea, set it up. But what's really interesting so far is that you have these people around you that you could use to almost like a launch pad to, for your business. You could try try and test and figure out their advice. And so I want to appeal to the Appster tribe right now that, you know, just look around you. It's amazing where innovation and inspiration can come from. It's, it's really that easy, too, um, because uh, literally the reason that we started peering into the dental field was just because we had some people in the field around us, and that was it. Like, you know, we're no more interested in dentistry than we are any other segment of healthcare. So if my sister had been a cardiologist, um, we might be doing something in, in cardiovascular right now. Um, and, it, it, you know, in, in many ways, those influences can be small, but they just give you a nudge in a certain direction and then you go with it. That's amazing and fascinating. I think that's one of the biggest golden nuggets that I'm getting from 
the, the chat right away is just the, the where influence and inspiration and creativity can come from in, in our everyday lives. So many of the apps to Tribe listening to this right now are in the position that you were in 2009, 2010, just starting out. How important was it to have almost the backdrop of college, of higher education to meet with, I, I'm guessing, the people that then you started the company with? You know, it's huge. Um, the infrastructure that influenced how we got started and why we got started was certainly driven by the university infrastructure that we were in. Um, and so that uh, was hugely influential in, first of all, all of us meeting, which of course you know wouldn't have happened otherwise. Um, but then beyond just the meeting, we had cause to be around one another all the time. One of my co-founders actually was in the very dorm room next to me when we were freshmen. So that's how we met. It was just completely serendipitous that he was in room 102 and I was in room 103. And that's it. And that, I mean, that's, that's, that's what brought us together originally. And so with... Well, hopefully, with you got, uh, hopefully you got someone uh, from room 101, given the, uh, <laughs> the nature of room 101. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Alex, um, uh, just in terms of, uh, I think, you know, there'll be people listening to this right now who are perhaps choosing a university for the first time. Can you tell us what you, you had in place there at Louisville? What, what uh, sort of formal uh, things and arrangements that, that perhaps they could look out for to help you uh, almost like incubate these ideas and, and meet with the co-founders and uh, people that were behind the d development of your company. What, what things sh should people look out for when choosing a uni? You know, I think, um, you know, for me uh, and many people that go to Louisville, one of the most attractive things about the engineering department is that um, part of the program is going on uh, co-op, uh, which basically means that you go intern at real companies while you're in undergrad. And many people do internships during summers anyway, uh, so that's not uncommon at all. But this is actually, this program is, um, um, it's, it's actually built into the curriculum that uh, you go on co-ops. And I think that is a huge piece of education is getting out of the classroom and applying your skills and sharpening your skills for the real world in a real business setting at a real company. And um, I think in many ways, the, um, the reason that my team and I were able to feel at least confident enough to start our own company was because we had worked at uh, real companies doing engineering work as undergrads. And so I think we arrived at that moment earlier on uh, because we felt we had the experience to understand um, how to build a business as opposed to just you know, mess around in our our dorm rooms, uh, you know, with some something new and innovative. And so we felt that we could kind of jump that into a business because we had that experience. And uh, so I think that's critical, no matter where you end up going to school. So Alex, tell us the story then of uh, how you actually ended up starting a business because you're hanging around with like-minded individuals. You know, basically your neighbor in the uh, dorm, and. Uh, you, you then take it from there to starting a real business. Uh, how did you go about that? I'm sure that that was going to be inspirational for anyone listening who is in the same predicament and wants, wants to understand from you uh, 
how you actually go about physically starting a company from that point. Yeah, you know, it really, um, people make these moments out to be a huge deal um, and that, you know, and it's easy to look back and project as if it was a very, um, a very well thought out and uh, poised and um, uh, well constructed endeavor. Uh, but it couldn't be further from that. Um, we had, we still had no idea what we're doing. We, you know, still today we feel like we have no idea what we're doing. So <laughs> the, the the effort is just getting. It, I, I think step one is getting a bunch of people who are like-minded in a room. Step two is getting everyone to agree that they're going to spend a huge amount of their time and effort, and not just in sheer man hours, but also just the occupancy of thought. Um, even when I'm not working, I'm thinking about our company and thinking about new ideas and thinking about it. Uh, and that, that occupies me every moment I'm awake. And so it's, a, it's getting a bunch of people, smart people together in a room, getting them to agree that they need to spend their time thinking about this as opposed to all the other distractions in the world. And, and then figuring out um, the path from there. And so when my team and I got together, we had made a couple of those early decisions that, you know, we wanted to be entrepreneurs, we wanted to um, make our own jobs instead of taking jobs that someone else was going to provide for us when we graduated, and we said, okay, let's do it. And then the next thousand steps were us meandering back and forth trying to figure out, okay, how do you really build a new product that's never been conceived before? How do you uh, get the connections you need to find investors, uh, to find an accounting firm, to get a lawyer, to find office space, all of those things. And um, when we were originally doing this, um, a lot of the infrastructure for startups didn't really exist. Today there are these accelerators that um, are all over the world that help do a lot of those things for you. They give you a little money to get started, they provide office space, they provide resources and mentors. Uh, a lot of that didn't even exist, so a lot of it was us figuring those things out for ourselves and trial and error. I did a lot of networking, which I think is critical. Um, you know, it's, it's networking with other people that can help you um, uh, on the technical side of the business. It's finding a great business development person or a great marketing guy, or it's finding your first investor. Um, never underestimate the power of networking and having personal connections with uh, people that can be valuable to your business. Yeah, well, Alex, let's pick up on that because it's something very uh, important to me, the ability to network. And I network through podcasting and online. What, what advice can you give us uh, for networking? Uh, and how did you go about doing that and meeting all these uh, important people that ended up being part of your business? Yeah, it's actually quite simple, and, and, and I'm glad you brought it up because I, I do think networking has been like one of the things that set us apart in our ability to just survive and thrive as a startup. And, um, you know, I, I do very simple things. I get on LinkedIn a lot and um, constantly try to connect with new people. Um, and so if I'm specifically interested in uh, a type of person, I'll uh, just search for people around me that um, hit qualifications that I'm interested in and then use LinkedIn to connect with them. Um, I also do uh, quite a bit of work um, just um, Googling, right? So uh, when we were first getting started, I was just searching for my area, my city, and searching for people that 
uh, were running startups, that had run startups, that invested in startups. And, um, and you know, after a while, you do a little reading, a little searching, and you see that some of the same names keep popping up. And those are clearly the people to meet. And so then I, um, you know, would find my way via, you know, LinkedIn or um, mutual friends, uh, my way to some of those people, and then they helped connect me to even more people. And before I knew it, um, I knew everybody in our local startup and technology scene. Uh, and I still do that today. Whenever I'm traveling to a new city, I was just uh, actually in uh, um, Chicago recently, and when I was, uh, you know, ahead of ahead of my trip. Um, I did some searches for some Chicago area startup and investor um, personalities, found a few people that I thought would be interesting to meet with and talk to, reached out to them, and uh, was able to um, kind of supplement that trip by meeting some new people. And now they've made some more introductions in, uh, uh, for me in, in the uh, Chicago area, and, uh, and here we are. And, uh, and so, you know, I think networking no matter where you are or what you're doing is is always going to be an important piece of the puzzle. Oh, this is a this is great stuff because I uh, I know the power of networking. It's uh, you can't really do much with your own business without people around you and your network. And I know that Appster Tribe listening right now uh, are probably those people that you know many of us are those people that we we want to be found, you know, found by people like yourself. So what stuck out to you when you were doing your search on Google for example and LinkedIn? What stuck out for you when you actually stumbled across you know, people that you thought were interesting? I mean, did they have, for example, their own website? Uh, did they post a lot of the work that they were doing online? Did they keep a blog? You know, perhaps you can go into a few more specifics there to help us emulate those, those people. Yeah, good question. You know, when I was first starting out, it was really just about finding people that had their resume credentials. Um, because that's what I knew to look for, uh, you know, so I was looking for people that, you know, um, if it was an investor, say, and, you know, I'd, I'd read about an investor and it said, you know, this guy's invested in 25 different health technology companies. I'd say, well, that's interesting, right, because I'm getting ready to start a health technology company and this guy's clearly invested in quite a few of them, so this guy's probably interesting to talk to and can provide some insight. And that's almost always true. Um, what I've become more interested in over time is really getting uh, a better feel for who people are uh, online before I meet them in person uh, because, of course, the online presence and the online um, influence has become such a big piece of how we think about um, the real world now. And so now I think it's equally as impressive if you have an incredible following um, online as well as in person. And so the, the three things that I love to look at now when I'm kind of scrounging around to, uh, to connect with new people is how um, complete and robust is their LinkedIn profile because that probably means they want to be found if they have, if they have a LinkedIn profile and if it's like pretty built out. Um, the second thing is their Twitter profile. Um, so if you have a lot of followers on Twitter or if you tweet a lot and not just, you know, tweeting about, uh, you know, what you had for lunch, but like, you know, uh, important content about whatever you do. So if you're a developer, um, you know, and you're constantly tweeting about interesting things that are happening in, you know, the mobile space, uh, that builds a ton of credibility. 
Um, and then the third piece is blogs. And I love people that write, you know, those, um, you know, four to thousand word, four hundred to a thousand word um, uh, blog posts about um, subject matter in their domain. And because it really shows that people care and have passion about whatever they do, if they're not only willing to do it, but then when they're not doing it, they're writing about it. And uh, and so I find myself constantly um, connecting with people because I was very impressed by something they wrote or um, the quality of, of their uh, Twitter profile or something like that. Well, there you go. You've just given us our first to-do list, which is I want everyone now to think about their own LinkedIn profile, make sure it's up to date. Uh, think about the uh, tweets that they're sending out. And, you know, I'm a big advocate of not having these automated tweets that just pull from an RSS feed and, and just pull a load of junk from, you know, some news feed and, and retweet them, but actually uh, engage with people on Twitter and, and write uh, useful things and, and also help promote other people by retweeting uh, and, and pushing their posts rather than your own. Uh, and then the final thing is uh, obviously then have... Um, a blog or it may be a podcast and, and just keep um, your uh, passion going with uh, writing about some of the subject matter. So that's three great things, Alex, you've just given us to do. Thank you very much for that. Um, so we've got to get into we've got to get into the product. I mean, we're running out of time and I, I feel that we're, we're going down this story. It's wonderful to, to hear you go through, um, you know, how you've uh, networked and how you've started the company. Uh, you you Basically, then I'm guessing got prototypes uh, for the idea. Uh, how did you start? Did you start with Android or iPhone? What what was the platform that you started with? So at the time, um, so we we started building a connected toothbrush, which was ultimately the idea for us to be able to get unique oral health related data um, in uh, off of your body, essentially off of your behavior and your activity and into the digital realm. And so we started building that, uh, what becomes the beam brush in early 2012. And at the time, it was very, very difficult to connect third-party devices to iPhones because Apple is very um, guarded and secretive, which is, isn't a surprise. Um, they're you know, especially um, guarded about um, devices that can connect to their platform. And uh, so we actually started developing on Android first because Android's architecture is much more open, um, which allowed us to get further, faster on that platform versus um, iOS. Um, but it was throughout, um, so my, my co-founding team contained two hardware guys, two hardware engineers, and then a software engineer. And so we were all together working on the design of the toothbrush, the electronics that would go on the inside of it, and then the software side as well. And we, we were using Bluetooth to link those two uh, ends together. What wonderful. And when you say you're collecting uh, digital information, are you saying that the brush itself has some kind of sensory uh, sort of impact and, and, and pulling up some information on that? Or is it just, uh, I'm guessing, it, I thought initially it would just be uh, recording the amount of time you're brushing your teeth. Yeah, so the, um, we, and we are using a sensor in that, in that uh, effort. And so the uh, first version of the Beam Brush um, focuses on getting uh, and profiling your brushing behavior. 
So we know that the baseline for great oral health is engagement. If you take care of your teeth every day, you're highly likely to have good long-term oral health. And so that means if we can help map and understand how engaged you are, and this means how long and how frequently do you use the toothbrush, if we can understand that within a high degree of certainty, we can come up with a profile for your likelihood of having great oral health. And so we use a sensor that's embedded in the uh, brush itself that helps us collect that data. What absolutely fantastic. And so uh, I guess the the phones now, you're, you're on iOS and Android, and both then, are they still connecting via Bluetooth? And is it an automatic uh, process, or do we have to go in and, and uh, choose to connect with the device? Yeah, that's a, a very timely question. So with the first version of the Beam Brush, um, we are on, uh, that uh, product is built on the older version of Bluetooth. And one of the big barriers of using old Bluetooth protocol, this is a, just for reference, a, a class two radio uh, from Bluetooth. And its big drawback is that you have to be very active about syncing data between a phone and a third party device um, with that type of radio. So you have to go in and press a button on the toothbrush and then you have to go into the app and um, go through a, a short syncing process on the digital side uh, to be able to sync data in between them. Um, since users hate that, I hate having to do all of that work just to sync data, uh, Bluetooth um, uh, went back to the drawing board in, during kind of 2012 and 2013 and launched uh, what's called Bluetooth Low Energy or Bluetooth LE, uh, which is a new chip. Um, and that uh, new Bluetooth protocol allows that process, the syncing process, to happen seamlessly or automatically or passively. So the user doesn't have to do anything um, to make the syncing happen except be within range, Bluetooth range, of the device that they're trying to sync with. And as long as they're in Bluetooth range, data can be seamlessly synced back and forth uh, between the device and your smartphone. And so our uh, gen, Generation 2 Beam Brush, which will be out late uh, 2014 here, um, will have the new Bluetooth protocol, which solves one of what I think is you know, the biggest problem with the first version of our device. That's great. And I, I actually, uh, I think the iPhone 5S was the one that came out with the low energy Bluetooth and the M chip, isn't it? Are you um, anyway, I guess we're getting into the specifics there of the uh, the connection, but it just sounds wonderful. So, uh, what's the biggest attraction then to using the phone? Uh, uh, is there some kind of reward system for the uh, amount of engagement and times that you're cleaning your teeth? Yeah, exactly. So, you know, our our vision, our goal as a company is to help inspire great oral health because it's an important part of the total body health picture. And so there are companies and, um, and uh, individuals and systems working all over the world right now to help solve the world's health problems. And we want to be one of the solutions contributing to this and focusing on our, our domain, which is in, in the dental space. So the question then becomes, how can we make, how can we inspire people uh, to have great oral health? Because most people look at brushing their teeth as a really boring mundane, 
activity that if they didn't feel they had to do it or if they didn't want their breath to stink or whatever, they wouldn't do it. And, and so we, we knew that we were working against a bias um, that, that people don't actively want to do. So we started looking at, okay, now that we're kind of bringing this whole digital interface into the toothbrushing domain, what does that open up for us that can allow brushing your teeth to become uh, e even somewhat interesting? It doesn't even have to be very interesting, but just more interesting than it is today. And so our answer to that is bringing rewards, active real-world rewards directly to the user. So what this means is that when you brush your teeth, you, are, you can think of it as accruing points. And the more engaged you are with your daily oral health, the more points you are accruing. And if you um, earn enough points, you will get a prize or a reward. Uh, and we have partners uh, that are uh, international um, consumer-oriented brands that are happy to associate themselves with a healthy behavior like brushing your teeth and will give you free things that you can uh, redeem uh, just for brushing your teeth. Uh, and so this is anything from um, food and drink um, that you can, you know, go redeem at a, uh, a shop or store. <laughs> a kind of Coke. A kind of yeah, Coke or a exactly like a Coke, <laughs> Which then reinforces the need to brush your teeth more. Yeah. Uh, this is great. I, I, Alex, I really want... Um, these toothbrushes because I have twin boys and I, I think the whole gamification of a good, you know, gamifying good behavior. And so I can imagine my twin boys, you know, being very competitive about who has the most points. Yeah. And so that that's really uh, inspiring. Absolutely. Uh, I just wanted to pick up on a point you made earlier in the interview, which is, uh, you know, you've picked a, a, an industry that is a little bit old fashioned and behind the times. And I know exactly the feeling because only the other week I went into um uh, book an appointment for my kids at the dentist and there was five receptionists to a to a very small local dentistry and each seemed to be you know just spending like loads of time on the phone and really really uh old-fashioned in the way of using i think a diary system for booking in the appointments and then crossing them appointments out with a pen and I was thinking you know I've done hundreds of interviews and uh, I do all that my scheduling myself I don't have a receptionist or anything uh, you know they I, I just would love to go in there for a day and sort them out uh, because they do seem really behind the times so Alex it's been a wonderful journey we're getting towards the end before we say goodbye uh, I know that I'll put all the connections to you and your uh, LinkedIn profile and and your company on the show notes, which can be found at theappguy.co. That's theappguy.co, and just search for the episode with Alex Fromeyer. But uh, how best can we reach out and connect with you? Uh, what's the best way? Uh, my favorite way for people to get in touch with me is either via email or on Twitter. Uh, so my Twitter profile is at Alex Fromeyer, my name, and Fromeyer is F-R-O-M-M-E-Y-E-R. Um, and then my... Um, best email for me is just my name again, Alex Frohmeyer at gmail.com. And uh, so I have, and, and I'm very, very big on helping entrepreneurs and startup people. Uh, and so I, you know, am happy to field questions or thoughts and do whatever I can to uh, help inspire or um, advise in as much as that's useful. So uh, uh, seriously, don't feel shy about reaching out because I'll respond uh, within a day and give you as much as I can give you. 
Alex, you do sound like you genuinely mean that. And I've thoroughly enjoyed meeting you, uh, enjoying going through your journey. It just seems like it's, um, you know, a, a wonderful experience that you've gone on. And uh, you've shared so many different things throughout the whole interview, the uh, the, the, the way to network, uh, the way to start a company, uh, how important uh, it is at uni to, to really be inspired by the people around you. And so all the best with uh, Beam, Breath, Beam Toothbrush. And uh, I know that um, when you start selling them in the UK, I'm going to be the first uh, person to be uh, going on to Amazon. Where, where, where best uh, can we actually buy the devices? So uh, we sell mostly from Amazon and our website, beamtoothbrush.com, today, uh, though we don't actually have anything to sell right now because our uh, first-generation beam brushes are all sold out, and we're now building uh, and scurrying to finish the building of our Generation 2 device. And uh, when that launches, that will also be available on our website and from Amazon, and then we're also going to be doing some uh, on-shelf retail accounts for the first time, so I'll make sure to get the word out once we uh, know exactly where those are going to be. Well, I'm sure that's a good problem to have, the fact that you've got your website that has a big uh, sold-out sign. <laughs> and by the time, <laughs> yeah, so I know that uh, uh, we've, we've had um, you know, advice from startup founders before that, you know, that, that, that say basically it's important to, uh, to actually just get the demand. And it looks like you've you're really hit something there. You've hit the, the jackpot. So um, it's been nice to meet you. Alex, you're welcome back anytime. You've got full of, it's full of advice. I recommend that anybody listening, the Appster Tribe right now, they reach out to you and uh, make follow up on some of the, the golden nuggets that you've shared throughout, the, throughout this uh, interview. But thanks for joining us on the App Guy podcast. Thanks. Uh, happy to do it and uh, talk soon. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Stay tuned for the next episode. If you want to be a guest on the show or suggest someone, then please send an email to info at onemob.com. The App Guy Podcast. 